You're listening to the New Gen Sermon Podcast. If you have your Bibles, uh, just turn to Hebrews in the last chapter, chapter 13. This will be the last message um, on the book of Hebrews. And uh, see, I don't even know when we started it, but it was quite a while ago. And uh, we finally come to the end. Yeah, so uh, let's, let's just pray before we begin. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you, Lord, that you're in our midst. We thank you, Lord, that you're speaking to us and that you are uh, ministering into our lives. And we just pray that as we look at your scriptures, that you would give us understanding, that you would give us revelation of the truth, that you would speak into our lives. And uh, yeah, we pray that we leave here uh, having, having met with the living God, having heard your voice, having had you speak into our lives and having been touched by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Alrighty, so yeah, just if you have your Bibles, uh, just open to chapter 13, and I hope you have your Bibles today, it's your sword, and uh, in case you didn't know what Bible means, B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth, Uh, that's what it means, just if you're wondering, Uh, but let's have a read of Hebrews chapter 13, and we're just going to have a look at kind of near the end, I won't cover the the very last few verses, which is basically just kind of um, uh, Paul sending his greetings and a little bit of information about Timothy. Well, I believe it's Paul anyway. I'm saying Paul. Um, But yeah. Anyway, so let's have a look at uh, Hebrews 13 from verse 15 onwards. It says this, Therefore, let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Obey your spiritual leaders and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. They are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. That would certainly not be for your benefit. Pray for us, for our conscience is clear and we want to live honorably in everything we do and especially pray that I will be able to come back to you soon. And so we'll just stop there for now. But uh, I've called this message Sacrifices That Please God. Uh, For the most part, the book of Hebrews focuses on the priestly ministry of Jesus. And uh, now the writer is focusing on the priestly ministry of believers. Okay? Every believer is a priest. I wonder if you realize that this morning. If you're a Christian, you are a priest. You may not wear the robes and the hats and everything else that goes with it, but you are a priest. And uh, part of being in the new covenant is that all believers are priests. It's not like the old covenant where only a particular tribe were priests, so the Levites. No one else could be a priest even if they wanted to. But in the new covenant, everybody is a priest, every believer. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says this, 1 Peter 2 9, For you are a chosen people, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. 
And so we not only are priests, but we are royal priests. Why? Because our high priest is actually a king as well. So we're part of a royal priesthood. That is Jesus' priesthood. And, uh, and so as priests, we have sacrifices that we can offer God. We don't come with our animals to church to offer them, but we do offer spiritual sacrifices. That's what priests do. A priest has to have a sacrifice to offer. If they're not offering sacrifices, they're not priesting. Amen? That's just logical. And uh, these sacrifices are listed here. So there's a sacrifice of praise. That's what we've just read about. There's doing good and sharing with those in need. There's obeying your spiritual leaders. You know, part of, part of priesting is we're part of a priesthood. We're part of a team. We're part of the body of Christ. Each one of us has a different part to play. Um, in what we're called to do. And then there's also prayer, which is a sacrifice. And the reason they are sacrifices is because we have to put the needs of others before our own needs. Sometimes, sometimes we serve even when we don't feel like serving. It's a sacrifice. A sacrifice of praise is when we come here on a Sunday and maybe we don't feel like worshiping God, but we praise Him because we know He's good. We know He's worthy to receive all praise. He's not just, it's not just I praise God when I feel amazing, when I feel His presence. I praise God even when I don't feel that because it's a sacrifice and He is always worthy to receive praise. Amen? And on top of that, the music team have put an effort and I want to honor them. Amen? So I want to encourage them. I don't want to stand there, oh, this is not my favorite song. I'm not going to sing today. It's a sacrifice of praise. And if we're all priests, let's come in and offer that sacrifice. And guess what? It's pleasing to God. The devil will come and say, oh, you're putting on a face. You're putting on a show. Why are you worshiping like that when that's not what's going on in your heart? And God says, actually, I'm pleased with that sacrifice of praise. Amen? Awesome. Sharing with people in need doesn't always happen when we feel like it. Sometimes it's inconvenient. Sometimes it's when we have nothing. Someone comes with need and we sacrifice and we share with them. Prayer is also a sacrifice because prayer is bringing other people before God. Intercession is standing in the gap on behalf of someone else. So when we come on a Tuesday night, we're lifting up other countries. We're lifting up nations. And we're saying, God, intervene. Help those people. Help the believers. Help the churches. And God responds. But it's a sacrifice. It's not I come to prayer because I feel like praying. Often I don't. But I come and I offer a sacrifice. Why? Because I'm a priest. And I understand that. And if I don't minister in that priestly role, no one else is going to do it. If we don't operate as priests, there is no other priesthood. The Levites can't take our place. That's what we preached on last week. We have an altar from which they have no right to eat from. They cannot replace us. So the responsibility is on us to priest to do our priestly duties. Amen. 
Anyway, so you see that becoming a Christian is far more than just receiving a ticket to heaven. We, yes, we get that, but we also get a priestly robe. And God says, right, now you've got some things to do as a priest. There's some sacrifices we can make. And they are spiritual and they're pleasing to God. Anyway, let's continue now. Hebrews 13, and we'll look at verse 20 and 21. And what I want you to look for as we read these two verses is, firstly, what God has done for us, and secondly, what God will do in us. What God has done for us and what God will do in us. Have a look for these two things. Verse 20 and verse 21 says, Now may the God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, may he equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever. Amen. It's a wonderful prayer that... uh, I'm just going to say Paul. I'm tired of saying the writer of Hebrews. If you disagree with me, that's fine. But anyway, it's a wonderful prayer that Paul is praying for the church here. And he's, he's saying, thank you, Lord, for what you've done for these believers. And thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in these believers. You see... Jesus has done something for us. In fact, he's done it for all humanity. And the offer is open to anyone. But then for those who accept, those who believe, those who receive the work of Jesus, then he does something in them. Okay? There's two things. First of all, what God has done for us. Just before Jesus died on the cross, he said, It is finished. Now my question to you, what is finished? The devil and the kingdom of darkness, is that what's finished? No, still around today. What about sin? Is sin finished? No. People sinned the next day after Jesus died and still doing it today. So sin is not finished. So what is finished? Good question to ask. The great work of Christ is to bring people to God. That's why he came. He didn't come to give us a story for Christmas time so we can all have lovely plays for our children. He came to bring people to God. Jesus said this himself. He said in John 14 verse 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. No one can come to the Father except through me. That's why Jesus came. He came to make the way open to the Father. His death, his blood, his ascension, his sitting on the throne, all mean that it is now possible for humans to access God, to come to God on this way of Jesus. And it's possible by faith. 
So Jesus' work of opening the way to God is finished. It's a finished work. It's been done. There's nothing more that Jesus needs to add to it. There's nothing more that we can add to it. The way is open for anyone who will believe and have faith. Anyone who will accept it. Anyone who rejects it, well, then they don't walk on that way. And the Bible says it's a narrow way and few find it. And many choose to walk on the highway of destruction. Something that's man-made, many choose. Something that's God-made, few find. Nobody chooses it. You find it through revelation and you accept it. We don't take any credit for choosing God. Amen. He reveals the way to us and we believe it and we walk in it. Had he not revealed it to us, guess what? We'd be in darkness for all eternity. We'd never know. We'd never even know there was such a way. But praise God, Jesus came to make that way open. Amen. So the way to God has been made open by Jesus. And, and this scripture here is very interesting in the way that it describes God. Because, okay, the way to God is made open, but what is this God like? When I cross over this bridge of Jesus and I stand before the throne, who am I going to meet? Someone with lightning bolts in his hand, someone who's striking down nations, someone who's operating in judgment, someone who's angry with me because of my sin. And it says, no, may the God of peace. You see, when we come to Jesus, that's the God we are coming to. We're coming to the God of peace. Isn't that wonderful? Not the God of war. Not the God of judgment, not the God of worry, not the God of hostility, the God of peace. You see, even right now, God is stretching out his hand to the whole world. He's stretching out his hand to people as the God of peace and saying, the way has been made open by my son Jesus. Come and be with me. That's what he's doing right now. But there is going to be a time coming where if you don't accept him now and you reject him now and then you have to stand before him on the day of judgment, it's not going to be the God of peace welcoming you before the throne. Now he's reaching out in peace, in mercy, in kindness, in grace. But if you don't accept the grace of God now, if you, if you don't stand before God on the grounds of grace now, you will stand before God on the grounds of law. And no one is righteous under the law. That's how... Everyone who doesn't believe will have to stand before God and they will be judged by that. And none of them will stand there righteous. Now is the time to accept what Jesus has done. Amen? Sheesh, <laughs> I didn't want this to be a heavy message. And anyway, right now, we're all still breathing. Amen? Amen? And we're still alive and God's made the way open. Jesus has made the way open to the holiest place. And there we find a God of peace. How wonderful, eh? Hallelujah. And you know what? One of the incredible results 
of, of, of being born again is that you receive this peace that passes all understanding. I can remember it like it was yesterday for me. I can remember coming to God, praying a prayer, having a deep conviction of my sins. And the second I was saved, the second my spirit was regenerated inside of me, the most overwhelming feeling for me was peace. That hostility between God was it just evaporated. And suddenly I'm drawn in to the presence of God. You see, when you're approaching God as an unbeliever, it gets more and more terrifying because the closer you get to God, you see this holy God who has no sin. And the closer you get, the more you see your sin. And then you, you humble yourself, you reach out, you grab a hold of Jesus as he's stretching his arm towards you, and instantly there's peace. And it passes understanding because you think to yourself, it makes no sense. He has the holy of holies of gods who, who is going to judge sin and rebellion and disobedience and that's exactly what I've been doing up to this point why has that just suddenly melted away because I've come to the God of peace all that punishment was laid out upon Jesus he bore it all he took our sins and paid the price in our place and you can't figure it out That feeling of being pushed away from God suddenly reverses. <laughs> it's amazing. And you're drawn in towards the God of peace. All because of the death, the blood, the ascension, and the ministry of Jesus. All because he made the way open. We come to the Father through Jesus and no one else. No amount of good works no amount of religious activity, it means nothing. This is what God has done for us. The God of peace who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood. That's what he's done for us. Ratified just means officially put in place. It's like when, you, when you're signing a loan, uh, signing a document for a loan, say a car loan, home loan, or whatever, that contract is ratified when you sign it. It's invalid until you've signed it. When you sign it, that's why they say you sign your life away. <laughs> when Jesus did all that, he ratified the eternal covenant. It, it's now in place. It's now active. It's now valid. It's now doing the thing that God wanted it to do. It's, it applies to us now. That's what ratified means. Remember a couple of months ago, I forget when it was, might, might have been a year ago even, but you can only relate to God on the basis of a covenant. That's the only way you can relate to God. Back in the old covenant, they had to come with all the animals and priests and fires and tents and all that kind of thing. Now we come on the new covenant. Praise God. Eh? And Jesus has made that open. His sacrifice put the covenant into effect. 
and he secured for us the forgiveness of sin. How wonderful is that? The law written on our hearts and direct fellowship with God. Unbelievable, huh? That's what the shed blood of Jesus did for us. And now we can approach this throne of God, the holiest of holy places, with boldness. Because we don't have this problem of sin separating us from God anymore. It's been dealt with by Jesus. We can approach the throne of God. Okay, that's what God did for us. Now that we can approach God, what is God going to do in us? Because the work that he does in us can only be done by him in his presence. It's not something we can do separate from God and say, okay, this is what God wants to do in my life. He wants to give me patience. Right, I'm on a self-help course to get patience. You know, I've got my little, I don't know what I would use if it wasn't for God, my lucky charm or something to have patience in my life, some energy that I need. No, I can only go to God and get patience from him. In his presence, that's what's been made possible. He does this great work in us now. Now that we have access to God, now he can work in our lives. And this is the amazing thing. He uses the same power that he used in Jesus in our lives. Because the Bible says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you. We say amen, but I'm telling you, I struggle to believe that. Think of it. Think of how much power it takes to raise someone from the dead. That's what's going on in your life. Think of how much power it took to create the universe. It's in you. It's working in you. We're talking about Red Sea parting power. Walking on water power, splitting the rock power, raising Jesus from the dead power. And this is not a work that any person can do. It is an impossible work were it not for God working in our life. What God does in us is humanly impossible. In fact, to fulfill the call of God on our lives is humanly impossible. Go into all the world, preach the gospel, all those that believe. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lay hands on the sick, see them heal. Cast out demons and just try and do any of that without God. Try and save someone without God. (laughs) Try and heal someone without God. Try and cast a demon out without God. Read Acts chapter 7, I think it is. The sons of Sceva tried it. Look what ended up to them. Look how they ended up. Only God can equip us. You see, this, this world that we live in, is, there is a clash of kingdoms going on. And it says that our fight is against invisible powers. Now, how are we going to overcome with natural weaponry, tanks and guns and whatever else? You've got no chance. The Bible says we need spiritual weapons that are divine. Divine weapons. Where do we get them from? God only. 
We cannot equip ourselves with weapons of divine power through our own efforts. Positive thinking is not such a weapon. <laughs> Just let that simmer and settle in. <laughs> Behavioral adjustment is not such a weapon. It's not a divine weapon that can take on invisible forces. Only God can equip us with such weaponry. And it says this. May he, verse 21, may he equip you. May he equip you. Not find it yourself. Not go and equip yourself. Let God equip you with all you need for doing his will. God is the one that equips us with everything we need for doing his will. And, and the other thing is that when God equips, he fully equips. He doesn't just give us a pair of shoes and I say, go to battle. And we just got these great battle shoes on. No sword, no shield, no armor. He gives us the whole package. And he says, now you're fully equipped. Now you can stand against everything that's going to come your way. But it calls us to an absolute dependence on the Father. Even Jesus said this in John 5, 19. He said, the Son can do nothing by himself. That's Jesus modeling for us absolute dependence on the Father. And you know, as we in humility depend on God fully, he equips us, he produces in us, he empowers and it's every and it's for every good thing in God that is pleasing to him not just one or two good things every good thing so praise God he's working in your life you've got victory and patience wonderful but don't stop there don't say well that's praise God I've done that but cheapers you know dealing with other things worry and whatever else that's I don't know whether I'll get there, but I'm happy with patience. No, God wants to equip you with every good thing. He wants to do a complete work in our life. So don't just stop with one or two things. Let God continue to work in your life so that more and more and more you're growing to be more like him, being fully equipped. Amen. God never looks at us and goes, well... You know, Russ is, he's past 50%. It's good enough. I'll just leave it there. I'll work on someone else now. No. God wants to keep working. Till the day I die, he will keep working in my life. He's promised that. Because he wants to work into our life every good thing. Amen. Let's close now with the last verse, which is all glory to him forever and ever. Amen. All glory for this work that goes on in our life goes to God. Why? Because only he could do it. It's not 99% glory goes to God, but I did my 1%. Praise Jesus. You know, I put in my bit. I did my little thing. I added to what God. No, you get nothing. You get no glory. All glory goes to God. Because if he didn't do it, it's not worth having it. Amen. (laughs) 
What he does in our life is miraculous. It's supernatural. It's incredible. It cannot be done by humanity. And so all glory goes to him. And the other thing is, the work that goes on in our, in our lives is not for our own glory. It's for God's glory anyway. He's the one that works in our life. Why? For his glory. <laughs> Amen. It's a wonderful work that God does in our lives. And this really is the, it's kind of like a summary of Hebrews. It's like, have a look at all the work that Jesus has done. All the priestly work that he's done. All the work that he's done in putting this new covenant in place, making the way open to God. Now, let us draw near to God. Let us spend time with him. Let, let God fully equip you for every good work. Let him work in your life. Let yield to him and depend on him and say, God, okay, I'm struggling in this area. Help me. Uh, I'm, I'm bringing it before you and I'm saying, God, come and help me uh, be more patient. Come and help me uh, have self-control. Come and help me be kind to people. I'm such an unkind person. Instead of me going, oh, well, I need to make a better effort to be kind, I go to God and I say, God, you're the one that can do this work in my life. I repent for my, uh, I don't know what the opposite of kindness is. Unkindness. <laughs> oh, I repent for being unkind. Lord, work in my life. Let your kindness come into me. That's how we grow as Christians. When we're fully dependent on God, he does this wonderful work. And it can only happen because we have access to God in that incredible place of being in his presence. It's a privilege. I hope you see that as you, as you look at Hebrews again, maybe you read it through again, you go, wow, gee, look at what they had to do in the old covenant. All the sacrifices and the animals that had to get killed to keep God in the midst of their people. And now Jesus has done it. We can be with God and we can be with him all the time. Let's not just... Uh, take the work of Jesus and say, well, praise God. You know, I got saved 30 years ago and I went into the holy of holy place and I was in the presence of God and man, it was the most amazing thing. Yeah, but when last were you there? Oh, 30 years ago. It's not a once, you visited once and that's it. We to remain with God, to dwell with God, to abide with the Lord. That's the point. The way is open so we can live there <laughs> in the presence of God. Amen? And as we do that, God begins to transform our life. And he, he works with the same power on the day you were saved to today. It's the same power, that incredible power of God. Man, we've got every reason to be joyful. With, with a God like that working in our life, if we just yield to him, we can't go wrong. Amen. We can't fail if we depend on the Lord. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Lord, uh, first of all, for sending Jesus. We thank you that he's made the way open. No one comes to the Father but through him. We believe that, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice. We thank you for your ministry as high priest. And we thank you, Lord, that it's a finished work. That sacrifice is sufficient. Nothing needs to be added. 
And it's sufficient for anyone, no matter how bad we've been, no matter how many people we've murdered, no matter how many lies we've told, no matter how much millions we've stolen. That sacrifice of Jesus is sufficient for however sinful we've been. Thank you for that, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that there would be a drawing near to you, the God of peace. I pray, Lord, that you, that you would welcome us with loving arms. We can approach you. Maybe, maybe there are people here that are struggling with worry. God is a God of peace. He's not a God of worry. And if you're worrying this morning, you need the peace of God in your life. Press in on the Lord and say, God, I'm giving you my worry this morning. All my worries I'm putting at your throne. And I'm saying, let the God of peace rule in my life. Maybe, there's, maybe you feel there's hostility or there's just fighting going on. Come to the God of peace. Lay it all down before his feet. Say, God, I pray for peace in my life. Maybe you, maybe you are looking at the future and you, you're anxious about what's going on. You're worried about interest rate rises and the economy and getting a job and all that. Come to the God of peace and let him just put his hand on your shoulder and say, it's going to be okay. He sees the future. No one else does, but he does. He knows what's going to happen. And he knows how to walk with you through any valley, no matter how deep it is. Let the God of peace reign in your life. Thank you, Lord. Maybe you're not well this morning. You're sick. Come before the Lord and just say, Lord, I bring to you the sickness in my body. You're the healer. I'm putting my trust in you to bring healing in my body this morning. Thank you, Jesus, that on the cross you were punished, you were wounded, you, were, you received stripes for my healing. And I want to press in on you this morning and say, Lord, do a work of healing in my life. In the mighty name of Jesus. You've been listening to the New Gen Sermon Podcast.